Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 325. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2017, Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. We're coming to a close of the year, and my focus has been on the upcoming 2018 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast, which I will release on January 3rd during episode 330 of this podcast. For the first time, our Floral Insights will also be published in Florist Review Magazine. You can find that report in the Slow Flowers Journal section of the magazine's January 2018 issue. And be sure to check out a special Florist Review subscription offer for the Slow Flowers community in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. You won't want to miss it. One of the themes that the 2018 Floral Insights will cover involves new ways for flower farmers and farmer florists to bring their botanicals to the marketplace, and that's through their own retail outlets. I first touched on this idea last month when I invited Emily Calhoun of Albuquerque, New Mexico-based Floriography Flowers to share her news, heard in episode 317 in a segment called Flower Farmers Shift into Retail Floristry. As it turns out, Emily is just one of several pioneering flower farmers embracing retail channels. Today, you'll hear from returning guests Heidi Joint and Molly Colbelt of Chicago-based Field and Florist as they discuss their new retail store in the heart of the city's Wicker Park neighborhood. And in a few weeks, we will feature a Boston-area flower farmer who's recently opened two retail outlets in that city. So before we jump into the interview, let me share a little more about Heidi and Molly. You can find the links to their past interviews on this podcast in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com. Cindy Dampier of the Chicago Tribune wrote this about them recently. Heidi Joint and Molly Colbelt are florists by way of a garden. Their days are dictated by irrigation and planting plans, bloom times, and germination schedules. On any spring or summer morning, you'll likely find the two of them in boots and work gloves, happily cultivating varieties they've carefully selected during a long winter's worth of research. But unlike most gardeners, blooms are just a starting point for the ladies of field and florist. Those creamy peonies and cup-shaped hellebores are the raw material for a summer's worth of bouquets that seem, with each delicate wayward tendril, to channel the garden they came from. 
You'll find new photos of the Field and Florist retail space and see some of the lovely items that Molly and Heidi have gathered for its shelves, as well as a few choice images from their flower farm in Three Oaks, Michigan, at our show notes for today's episode 325. Just click on over to DebraPrinzing.com to see the images and to follow links to Field and Florist social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to have on the line two good Slow Flowers friends, Heidi Joint and Molly Cobelt of Field and Florist in Chicago. Hi, ladies. Hi, Deborah. Hi. Thanks for doing this and jumping on the line with me to, to bring us up to speed on what's going on with Field and Florist. Our pleasure. You guys are now, this is now the third time you've been on the Slow Flowers Podcast. That's pretty cool. <laughs> It is. We were just saying how it was this time last year about that we saw you at Detroit Flower Week. That's right. And we did a little update there because a year ago, and that this was Molly who you just heard, a year ago, your news was basically about getting semi-permanent farmland uh, to, to expand your growing operation, right? That's correct. Yeah, we moved our farm. I guess this was our second season there. So we moved our farm from Chicago's northwest suburbs to southwest Michigan. We have a much bigger growing area now. So it's been it's been good. We had a great season. Great. And you know what? I'll just link uh, to that interview in our show notes uh, at DebraPrinzing.com. So if people are just getting to know you now from discovering the podcast, they can go back and, and hear that, that story. But um, maybe you can just describe what Field and Florist is now in terms of you have a Chicago design base and then a Michigan farm base, right? Is that sort of how you would balance it out or describe it? Yes, exactly. Um, The farm is in Southwest Michigan, so we're spending maybe half the week here, sometimes a little less actually, um, because predominantly we're doing a lot of wedding and design work in Chicago and Wicker Park neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just opened a new store this late July, just a few months ago. Um, So we've been you know, in the city a little bit more than we were in the past uh, with that balance getting tipped a little, a little more strongly toward the city side. Hmm. The, how big is the farm, um, Heidi? That was Heidi's voice you just heard. So you'll get used to their voices. Um, how much, I know it's probably much larger than the actual growing area, right? Yeah, it's a 35 acre parcel, but really we're only maybe 1.5 to two acres hmm. into production right now. Mm-hmm. This is our we're getting coming this spring will be our third growing season at the new site. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of new things to get used to fertility and soil and all that stuff just takes so long to get, you know, properly adjusted. But I feel like, you know, with it being a former, um, kind of nursery that had a lot of infrastructure already there, we've been able to put, um, one high tunnel to get that back into production. You know, it was just kind of the bones there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been really cool. We had a great first early spring with um, those early season crops with ranunculus and anemone. And that's something we never were able to do before. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So you've got your farmers and your florists. And uh, Heidi, you kind of alluded to the reason I wanted to have you on the show, which is to say that now you're retailers. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> which caught my attention because this is, you're like the third or fourth flower farmer uh, this, 
that I've heard of this year who's gotten some kind of retail operation going. And um, we last month had an interview with Emily Calhoun of Floriography in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was going to pair this your interview with hers, and then I had a tech fail. So now you're you're uh, going to be part of a series. <laughs> so cool. yeah, so I'm really happy to to talk about it. So is the tell us about the store and how did this all come about? Because you had a studio in Chicago, right? A design studio. We did. We had a design studio that we operated out of for two years. Um, it was in the ideal space for us, and we quickly kind of outgrew that in terms of the sizes of weddings that we were doing, um, just an actual space. Mm-hmm. So we started looking, I guess, probably the end of last year, early 2017, and um, reconnected with someone who we had met a few years prior who was starting a farm actually in the Chicago suburbs. Um, and he has a building space in Wicker Park neighborhood in Chicago, which is just west of downtown. Okay. Um, where the shop is located and had a space there that he was kind of meant for a florist. There was a huge cooler that was built out. It was really beautiful. It is a garden level, um, space in a three flat. So it's, you know, a really beautiful old Victorian building. We're in the garden level. So the shop is small, which is kind of nice for us <laughs> in terms of we don't have yeah. to have a, a, a retail. Um, but it's great. We have a uh, space in the back where we can design, uh, do the weddings and events. And then it's also a wholesale pickup point because um, we do a majority of our businesses selling wholesale to other florists in Chicago. Um, so part of the week, you know, they can come in and shop the cooler and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the shop is open. Oh, wow. So I know I went a little off topic there, but no. basically we connected with someone who had a space and it just, you know, the stars aligned and it, it worked out really well. And we moved in in March, I think of this year. Did you have like a lot of improvements or cause you didn't really, or did you start working right away and didn't open retail till the summer? We waited, mm-hmm. um, cause you know, we did the space itself was built out, um, but we wanted to build out the displays and things for the shop. So mm-hmm. we were sort of on our own timeline with that. You know, we had the same amount of weddings that we had been doing, and this was sort of another component to the business that <laughs> took quite a lot of time. Yeah. But um, yeah, we opened at the end of July, and it's I would say it's been going really well. That's so cool to have that balance of a space that has sort of dual purposes, right? I mean, Heidi, you're, you're not open seven days a week. That would be probably not a, suitable for the way you're also having to yeah. farm, right? Exactly. If we found that, you know, telling the story of why we're not open more days of the week, because we're farming the flowers, people have a lot more understanding. And if they're like, you know, slightly frustrated, they think it's cool that we're out there <laughs> growing the flowers. So, um, That's cool. So, you know, maybe down the line we'll open more days, but for now, Friday through Sunday is just just great. And we were already there, you know, half the week anyway. And having one more person in to be able to interact with potential clients and make a personal connection, we found has really helped our wedding and design work. And even just having more weekly accounts, you know, more outlets for our farm flowers mm-hmm. to go to. Hmm. And we found there's a lot less waste too because. You know, if our wholesale customers, the florist didn't buy it all and we couldn't use it all for a wedding, you know, there's always the weekend outlet. Um, the the, the so, st- people just pedestrians going down the street to get yeah, their latte or something, right? Exactly. Brunchers. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I, 
I love the term garden level. I only know about that because my son went to college, you know, as you guys know, in um, Lincoln Park in Chicago and his apartment level, he was at in the garden level, which is sort of what, like three or four steps down off of the sidewalk. It's like somewhat mm-hmm. sort of submerged, yeah. but you get, you still get a lot of light. Yeah, it's not bad. It's decent light. You know, it's, it's not like a scary basement, but <laughs> it's all, um, it's, you know, it's really bright, like neutral and white. And mm-hmm. it's, we've tried to keep it really minimal and clean mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel cluttered. And, you know, it just, people kind of have been coming down there and, you know, expressing their surprise, like, wow, this feels like a, we, I don't yeah, know, we they're, a they're not kind of, I think they're not expecting to walk into a garden level and, uh, space and see something so sort of like bright and colorful. Right. And, Cause it's usually like used for storage or something and not, not yeah, high, a lot high design. And they want to know what did this used to be? <laughs> what, what did it so, used to be Molly? It just was, I think it was storage. I mean, I don't know that it was used for anything. There are two apartments above us, um, but the building has been very, it's been maintained and um, redone sort of to its original state. Um, The owner, the landlord has taken really great care in the building and doing any projects, restoration projects that fit the time period of it. So it's a really beautiful building. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so you might have well, I was want to comment on one thing, and that that one of you were mentioned about the keeping. I think Heidi said keeping it minimal. So your your aesthetic then is very clean and white, and like not a you don't have a lot of products or like is it kind of a gallery like space for showcasing yeah. a few flowers exactly. rather than a cluster of flowers, or how does that work? Well, I've I don't know. We've been kind of having existential sessions (laughs) with our brand identity and our, our business, you know, because we keep evolving and we're always kind of trying to grab at what it is that we are doing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and we are and what we want to keep doing. And, um, what we've kind of found is the things around the flowers are really clean and minimal. Mm -hmm. Um, The flowers still tend to be quite loosely structured and natural and have a lot of movement. I think, I think they're getting a little more simple, but I would say they're really not super edited. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not, you know, I mean, we do have one giant vine in a (laughs) a bittersweet. So I guess that's really minimal, but with that, to that note, I guess that gallery setting Mm -hmm. exhibition feel is something that we kind of are going for because We've taken a lot of care to work with vendors that are creating custom items for us. And we want to tell their story um, in a way that's not like, you know, you know, when you go into some shops and they talk to you about, you know, for 45 minutes about a candle that you didn't really ask about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're we're trying to not do that, but. (laughs) Let the um, products kind of speak for themselves and and evoke curiosity. Right. But if people want to find out more, there's a small you know, almost like an exhibition style, um, plaque that Mm. would be next to each kind of area where each item is, Mm -hmm. where you can pick it up and read who made it, what their name of their company is, where they're located, and maybe something kind of poetic or interesting about each of the items that might create more of a connection to it. Um, and why we like it, why we've chosen it. And then the price is on there. So, um, 
how big is the square footage of the retail size portion of your of your space? I think the actual retail side is maybe only. It's hard because there's a giant cooler in the middle. Oh of right, it. right, right. Of course. Um, which has windows all around, which is really great. So when we bring in huge harvests, we do have some flowers on display outside um, in the shop, but a lot of them are living in the cooler and the weddings and things that we're working on are in there as well. So it, it's fun, I think, for people to be able to see that. Um, you think like it's probably like 600, 500. Yeah, maybe 500. So it's, maybe 500. It's, it's cozy. Yeah. And so, so when someone comes in, um, and sees the flowers, you, it sounds like you've, I hate to use the word curate, but that's the word of the day. Um, you've collected or, or, or ed- came with your creative eyes, chosen pieces that, um, play well with flowers, it sounds like, or have some kind of, you said story. So, I mean, th- what, what is your filter for choosing what you want to display or bring uh, indoors with uh, at Field and Florist? Like name some of the categories. Yeah, um, we have we've chosen things that are uh, that will pair well with flowers mm-hmm. in terms of it being like you know a good gift item. Um, so there's a couple different styles of ceramics that we've had made with a local ceramicist. That's so great. I love it. Um, yeah, one is selling particularly well. It's kind of a convertible vase, it's called. And you can put the top on, you know, when your bouquet starts to die and you can keep it more of as a bud vase. Um, so it sort of, you know, extends the life of your bouquet, quote unquote, by just enabling you to arrange what's in there differently. I love that. What is it called, the convertible vase? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And do you, I, I'm just... I remember reading about this because one of the local papers did a story about you, and I was so curious about what it looked like. Um, do you, can you share a photo of that with us for our show notes? Yeah, of course. Great. Okay. So these are ceramic artists who you know personally, who you've who you've um, invited to uh-huh. provide product for your your stop your shop, right? Yeah, we found them. We searched them out and um, tried to work with some you know Chicago people so that we could have a close relationship mm. as design these mm-hmm. items. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also there's a tablescape component, I think to the shop in terms yeah. of things. We have a line of taper candles that we worked on, um, with a woman who's out of Madison. Oh, neat. Milwaukee. Nice. Yeah. So we had, she made two custom lines of taper candles and colors for us. Um, there's, we have some Japanese, um, it's not pottery, ceramics, ceramics um, plates and mm-hmm. bowls. Wow. Like um, what else do we have? Um, soap, Japanese soap. Mm-hmm. We really, we're really drawn to like the minimalism and the clean lines and the beautiful packaging of um, Japanese made goods. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. We have a few kind of different things in from Japan, and then a really beautiful line of fragrance uh, from out of LA called Regime de Fleur. Neat. Yeah, and we're we're really excited about them because. They are, we carry a line of candles as well as one of their fragrance lines. And their approach is really more of an art practice, you know, more Mm -hmm. than it is a commercial brand Mm -hmm. necessarily, even though it is that as well. But um, we're going to have a show featuring just different ephemera and objects from their practice um, because they're both artists and work in fragrance as well as kind of create a lot of work about fragrance. Oh, neat. Wow. Yeah. When's the show? 
November 17th, that will open and it will run through basically the holidays, you know, through right before Christmas. Oh, great. Because I'm going to run this episode, I think, on December 6th. So people hearing this, can, if great. they're in the Chicago area, could still come in and see the show. Yeah. I love it. It sounds like they're kind of, if they do fragrances, it's all like sort of small batch. And once it's gone, there's yeah. no more kind of thing. Exactly. Yep. I mean, really rare, insanely specific and beautiful ingredients, you know, like the rare blue water lily is one of the main ingredients of this <laughs> one fragrance. Oh my so gosh. it's really, it's, um, there's a whole world of fragrance too. And I think floral is for us, obviously plays with that. Um, so we like to, you know, work with these other people who are approaching their own work mm-hmm. as, as art practice and mm-hmm. as, um, as more something that has more meaning and you know I think it inspires us and helps to keep what we're doing fresh and keeps us interested in in the floral world you know because we're we're grabbing into so many other um yeah areas of work and genre different genre and different mediums right yeah I love that well I I know that um you also have a unique shoe line that you're representing, right, Heidi? Right. <laughs> this yeah. is a surprise when you tell me about this. I love that. My mother-in-law is a cobbler. <laughs> and um, That's she has a, a sentence sh- that most people don't say. <laughs> no. She's a, a retired art teacher and is just really talented with materials. Um, so she's recently gotten into leather working maybe five years ago and has created a few different really great kind of minimal and androgynous styles that are really appealing to a lot of people. Um, so we're, we're carrying her shoes in there. There's a few different styles and she can do like a custom leather and come and fit you. It's people are really enjoying that. Oh my gosh. Would it be, would it be pop? I don't know. Has it happened that a a bride has said, I want my, my princess slippers, you know, in this style or (laughs) would that happen? I could see it happening, but it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Oh, pretty soon you're going to become like a, you know, a couture house of, you know, <laughs> wearables. That's so cool. What's the line? What's that company called? Um, KJ Made. Okay. Okay, great. So that's another, I mean, do you, I, I know you had, you probably had to bring a lot of this, um, bring this sort of life on your website in a, in a new way. So people maybe can be introduced to the fact that you have added to the business. I like the word that you used evolved. Um, do you showcase, uh, some of the, of these artists on your website? I feel like I've seen it. We will okay. maybe perhaps on Instagram. Uh, we do intend on opening an online shop. We just haven't quite gotten around to it yet. Really? Um, Why not? <laughs> we, it is on the to-do list. Oh boy. Well, it, Instagram it's is perfect good. because you can be so sudden with that and just pop a few photos up every day and, and, in a way, you just want to reach your neighbors immediately who can come in and shop rather than someone in another city, probably. Yeah. I mean, we have had couples, you know, past um, couples that we've worked with done their weddings, call us and congratulate us on the shop and that live out of state have asked how they could get items and neat. Kind of neat. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, I would like to have the two of you, if you're able to articulate why would somebody who is a floral designer or a flower farmer dip their toes into retail? I mean, like what 
I think you've talked about some of the reasons why it's very fulfilling for you. From a business sense, though, um, what are, you know, how did you talk yourself into this? Um, I think, first of all, it was the location. <laughs> right. I mean, we, people tell us we're crazy, and uh, they're probably right. But I think the location of the shop really was just like, there's just a lot of foot traffic and we thought it might be a missed opportunity to not try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we could have waited and maybe we should have, but I think, you know, just taking advantage of the potential when we see it is something we yeah, jump and on. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the business as well. I mean, it gave us, it's located fairly close to the big like wholesale flower markets in Chicago. So for our florists that buy wholesale from us, we're really not that far from the other places they're already going. So it's, is a pickup point in terms of the wholesale side of the business. It's been nice. And the cooler is huge. We can store so much stuff in there. Um, wow. and then it also just gives us another outlet for the flowers. And really, in, unless you were, we did an event for you, you really couldn't, you're just an average person. You couldn't have our flowers. Um, right. so this allows us to connect with, more customers, more people. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of when Heidi and I first met and she was doing a CSA for the first time. And I mean, that's, you're sort of, you lost that when you stopped doing the CSA and right. and now you have another, another way for people to get flowers just because. Exactly. Yeah. And it's been a good outlet too, because oftentimes, well, you know, on Saturday afternoons and, or Sundays, if florists run out, the wholesalers are closed, and but we're open. Hmm. And so when it's peak season, we have so much. I mean, we're always just cutting whatever is ready. So even if it doesn't necessarily have an outlet yet, we kind of hope that it will. And so we, you know, bring more than is sold into the cooler. And then what we found is, you know, florists are buying two and sometimes three times a week mm-hmm. when they're busy. Mm-hmm. And that's really helped us, you know, build our business more too, because there's just less waste and we're making more sales. So, uh, do you, how do you do that? Do you have like an availability list that you send out to florists, fellow florists in the area, or do they just kind of, you've trained them to, to call you and see what you have? No, we send out a weekly availability. Um, it's all done online and then they can place their orders ahead of time. So basically they're either, they can come and their order is already sorted. Um, and ready for them to pick up. You know, a couple will come on the weekends if they need to refill the flowers in their shop. Um, some people just come and see what we have available. So, so this yeah. online tool, I rem- I think you told me about this last year, Molly. You were using, you developed the online tool when you were basically just bringing product into the city from from the farm, and now it's now it's just you just changed the pickup place or the. You're not having to deliver. People are coming to you. We still do some deliveries, but um, for a lot of people, I think they found that it's close enough and they can waive that delivery fee. It's no, you know, it's easy for them to come and swing by. Yeah. And they probably, I mean, most florists want to see the product before they, or see what's there that they, they couldn't quite visualize or whatever. Right. You know, I ran into something um, that I would love to get your reaction to. I ran into something in another market where there the farmers are two, three hours away from the, the urban hub and a couple farms made an arrangement with a florist to have her be the central drop-off and, um, you know, invite other florists to come 
pick up their orders from that that retail florist. And I had another florist in that market say to me, why would I want to go shop at my competitors for the flowers that I need? And I'm thinking to myself, I want to like hold you up as an example to say, look, these guys are obviously selling to their competitors. And it's if you don't mind, and if they don't mind, it's everybody's happy, right? I mean, I, you're providing a service. Yes, it's to your potential competitors. But I just don't feel like you're looking at it that way. I feel like you're taking this as a more kind of community-based uh, approach to the floral business in Chicago. Is that correct? Or like, how have you yeah. rationalized it? And the floral community in Chicago, too, is very collaborative. And it's not this sort of like cutthroat um, industry. I think everybody works together and helps each other. And there's enough work to go around. And everyone has a different aesthetic. And um, we've just never really found that to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I think really people respect what we're doing. and That's true. I think that and also like really beautiful flowers I think just bring people together Mm -hmm. because everyone wants the best stuff. And we found people just kind of coming in and nerd out over a new Dolly variety or, you know, and I just feel like there's more of a, like a sense of appreciation for the flowers. And that's the main Mm -hmm. thing. That's the focus. Rather than the fact that they're handing over money to you instead of to the wholesaler down the street kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it, it's cool. So. I like that. I'm I'm happy to hear that. And I also think you two are so community minded just in the way you came together as business partners and the way you've had, you know, interns or apprentices or clients that it's just it's just a sincere reflection of how you live your lives. And the business is a reflect, you know, that's the essence of what you're doing is creating community. Yeah. And then we think it has to feel good. You know, it's such a huge part of our lives, this business. And I think if it didn't feel good, we, you know, we have to make it what we want it to be for it to not feel like a bad thing in the floral community, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we take great care to, to get to know florists, other florists in the city and take uh, new you know, inquiries for new wholesale yeah. accounts and just show interest in what everyone is doing and mm-hmm. respect, you know, for them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're technically your clients as well, and you want to support them and whatever they're doing too. Yeah, and we all, you know, we borrow rentals from each other. We've There's a lot of, you know, we're part of this Facebook page that's Chicago Floral Friends. and <laughs> I love it. Really, yeah, we're really encouraged a lot when we go on there because sometimes there's desperate, you know, calls for help or there's, I need these votives and the client up their table count, like who has this, you know, and people jump on it. It's it's great. It's really awesome. I feel very lucky that that's who we get to work with. Yeah, that's great. So roughly how many floors are on your um, distribution list when you send out your availability uh, sheets? I would say, I mean, there's quite a few on there. A lot of them are studio florists, so they don't necessarily have weddings every single weekend or shops. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably about 60 or so. And then um, I would say weekly, there's maybe like 10 to 15, um, maybe more like 10 accounts every week that we have. So we have some people that have standing orders that have shops. There's other people that are studio florists and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, have weddings here and there. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's phenomenal. You know, the, the, the sort of these wholesale flower hubs, which are cooperatives or collectives that are kind of popping up all around the country um, yeah. in all sorts of models. And in a way, that's basically what you're doing. It's just that your, your farm is cranking out enough volume to, you know, be the supplier versus having to get 10 people together and coordinate everybody's schedules. I mean, that could happen down the road, but it's working yeah. for you. Yeah, it is. And we haven't ruled that out in terms of working with other growers. It's just something that like for us to manage at this point is just a little bit too daunting. <laughs> yeah, Molly, if you do that, that means I'm going to have you on the podcast again in a year telling me about that. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I really I love I love hearing this. It really is encouraging. And and I'm just curious roughly what um, you talked right before we turned on the we started the podcast, you told me that you've been out planting your um, fritillaria and your uh, tulips and there was something else a ranunculus was that it um daffodil. daffodils oh daffodils okay so um those will will that be your earliest crop in 2018 um the well me that'll come before the ranunculus i think anemone. yeah daffodil will come up in probably tulips um i think april 1st is what we're shooting for for the ranunculus mm. and anemone mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i've got to get those soaked next week mm. but those will be in a, in the high tunnel though, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Okay, so like March-ish, late March or early April will be the first uh, field and florist product that you'd have to harvest. Yeah, I think it was right around April 1st last year we started harvesting the anemone, anemone and shortly after that was the ranunculus. So and that's, that's the when target. Can I open up the retail shop again? Mm. Oh, so we're gonna close, yeah, during the winter months. Okay, so after this holiday show, you'll take a little hiatus? Yeah, uh, I think we decided December 22nd would be the last day the shop would be open because um, we'll do holiday wreaths and things like that. And obviously, there's gift items in the shop. And then we're going to take a little break January, February. Awesome. And then, um, you know, we have to plant the tunnel and maintain that. Um, and then, yeah, we're shooting for the beginning of April to have flowers again available. And it sounds like you've had flowers up until just like early November, late October as well, right? Yeah, yeah. last week we harvested, this is fun. We harvested the last of our dahlias, um, last week and we saved them because we did the Obama, uh, <gasps> foundation summit florals oh. this week. Was very very exciting. I know. I'm so glad you brought that up. I saw that on your Instagram feed, and I just started crying. I was so happy for you. So, <laughs> so the o- Obama Foundation is newly launched in Chicago. Is that correct? It's not built yet, but they yes, they are going to be taking over a good chunk of a park in the South Side, and that's where um, his foundation will be located, or their foundation, and. Um, this was their first sort of kickoff event, bringing people together from all over the world um, to come together and talk about issues that everyone is dealing with and um, sort of in terms of all different areas of arts and culture, education, and education. health, environment. Yeah, just exactly. wow. And so the event was an indoor event at a venue and needed florals. And is that correct? Like, a, yeah. Oh, my it gosh. Was, very, very, we were like, and we got to go to a concert last night and we saw um, them and freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> like just in the same room. Oh my so gosh. That's so cool. That Say that again. We did the floral arrangements uh, for a big dinner that they had at the Museum of Science and Industry mm-hmm. here in Chicago. Uh, so we got 
they got to sit at a table with our dahlias, which is very exciting. Oh my gosh, that is super cool. That's yeah, maybe we can share a photo of that. I saw it on your Instagram feed and I was like, right on. That is a Chicago perfect story and Illinois grown or Midwest grown flowers uh, for the former president and yeah. first lady. How, how fitting is that? Only the best for them. <laughs> we'll give them whatever they whatever want. They want. <laughs> yeah, that's a good high note to end on. Well, I was to say, <laughs> what are your wishes for the new year? But I think your wishes for the new year are really to hold it all together and juggle all these balls and, you know, keep yourselves engaged. And I picked up on that a little bit from something you said, Heidi, like this has got to feed you as well as your clients. Yeah, exactly. We're staying engaged and interested. And also just with this, you know, the, all the growth we're doing, just trying to also take care of ourselves better um, next year and, you know, have a bit more balance during the peak peak wedding season. Oh my gosh. Could have a couple more people to help us. Yeah. But yeah. Or quality we, over quantity or something like that. Exactly. Mm, cool. Well, I really am so glad to get this update to share with uh, the Slow Flowers community. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure we uh, include? I mean, ending on the Obamas, you can't really top that, I'm sure, but uh, I thought I better ask. No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Will you promise to send photos that uh, I can share on our show notes of uh, give people a little virtual tour of the retail space and um, yes. maybe some of your products and the two of you, of course. Sure thing. Sure thing. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I really am just love. I have a big smile on my face picturing a little bit of retail beauty in, in that neighborhood. The people probably really needed it. Just- yeah, it's it's been fun. Well, I'm excited for you to see it one day when you come to I'm Chicago. coming in August, so I'll see you. I'll see it then. Great. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, ladies. All right, thank you, Deborah. Thanks, Take Deborah. care. so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 257,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column. Your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. And thanks to our family of sponsors, Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality, American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories, 
for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.